in this series we were talking about startup law. In our first episode, we started with the how a startup starts and how the this venture uh, exists uh, out of nowhere and how entrepreneurs uh, start their journey. And I kind of completed with the existence of the company, establishment of the company and everything. And in this episode, we will talk about the financial aspects of it and as well as how a startup receive an investment, why you need an investment and everything. Of course, I have uh, my guest, uh, Tim, as here to help me on the questions. Welcome, Tim. Hi. Hi. So we can just get started. In the first episode, we were talking about uh, how the startups uh, establish what is important of establishing a company, what type of company existed in Netherlands and everything. But let's say that we have a startup now and existed and why a startup needs an investment, why a startup requires an investment in order to survive. Right. So I guess that one of the characteristics of a startup is that generally they are quite innovative. So they think of a new product or a new service that may not exist or is a major improvement on something that already exists. That's generally something that the public or the consumers or the investors need to understand first to a certain degree. So what they do is start developing their product till the level that we call an MVP, a minimal viable product. And from that moment on, basically they can show it to somebody else. Um, and then hopefully either further develop it themselves. Uh, but if they don't have the resources to do that, because generally it takes a lot of resources to further develop that, then they have to knock on somebody else's door. You don't need to, obviously, if you have a large piggy bank with very rich elders or I don't know what, um, uh, you can just ask them to finance you or yeah, you do it yourself. And it would be very nice if you could. There's a nice example recently of a Dutch company that's been invested only now at a very, very high valuation. And until that moment, it's been bootstrapped, what we call bootstrapped, meaning that you've been financing that from your own resources all the time until the moment in this case that it's been valued at multi-million, sorry, multi-billion. So he's a big unicorn, which means that he keeps a lot of shares to himself. So that's a really good thing. Yeah. But for most of the startups, they don't have the luxury of doing that or they need the resources to do that. You generally express that in a burn rate, what basically means literally the rate which you burn the money that you are uh, that you need to further develop your product um and most startups have such a high burn rate that they run out of resources very quickly and then have to ask somebody else to fund them the problem with this unknown product or the fact that they are developing something that is hard to understand means that the traditional sources of financing like a bank loan are not available to startups there's pretty much no bank that you can knock on the door off and say, look, can you grant me a loan? And then they say, that's great. What are you doing? And I'm, I'm developing this thing, which you don't understand. And they're saying, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so the reason for that banks doesn't give a loan is, uh, because they, the pro product may be, could be risky as well as maybe they don't understand the complexity of it. Exactly. It, it doesn't provide to banking terms. It doesn't provide the security as a collateral to the loan, right? So they don't get any security in return should you not be able to return the, the bank loan because they have a product that they don't know how to value. There's no market comparable that they can use or something that they can just go to, I don't know, a big supermarket and buy or a big product uh, comparable to that. So you have to look at different resources of funding for most of the startups to um, to go further and be able to spend your time and 
buy the products that you need and the resources to further develop the product. Yeah. So in order to basically achieve what you promise, you need investment in a startup, basically. And uh, as you said, in bankings, uh, since you don't have any assets to show the bank any bank as a like a, as a safe uh, return, uh, the banks are not taking the risks. No, the one the one asset that you generally have is your laptop. Yeah, and this uh, this microwave where you uh, where yeah. you're eating your uh, your noodles in or something. That's that's about it. And uh, there's no registered IP. There may there's probably no trade name that's already known to everybody um even if you as a startup produce an actual object which most startups don't even do right they 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 i don't know write code for a new computer program or something uh but even if you would i don't know create your actual physical product then only probably the like the asset value of it is the collateral because they don't know how to market it yet they can't find the price in the market for that particular product because it's different than than the other one so it's really hard for them yeah so let's say that we want investors, we want to receive investors. So there are like some generalized practices in the in this sector, like different methods of investment. And some there are some actors get some name like angel investors uh, or like some type of investment methods are famous for its like for its productivity, for its becoming being so easy to arrange it, uh, like kiss, uh, safe, and different things. So let's start with like what is an investment round is, what is an bridge round is, why these rounds exist, and how is the process, the life cycle of a like a startup investment process goes. Right. So it basically, all starts with the startup thinking for themselves what their financial need will be. So they. With the, hopefully with the advice, uh, advice of some smart guys and girls around them, they set up a financial roadmap for themselves. And generally kind of looks like that they project how much funding they will need for the next upcoming year or something like, like that timeline. And then they have to look at the stage and where they're in. And depending on that stage, you could either have a value or attribute a value to that startup or not. And traditionally speaking, companies are valued through cash flow. So you need revenue and you need in and outcoming cash flows to have a, an, a cash flow uh, a position. And on the basis of that, you can make a valuation of company. But startups don't exist long yet. They may be only a year or not even. So they don't have any history. Um, they don't generally have any revenue because they're spending all their money yet before they launch the product at all. Uh, so all the traditional valuation techniques don't work. So you need financing methods um, that assist you in that process and uh, and can assist you by obtaining funding at that moment while not having a valuation. So what we see is that there are two types of financing rounds, if you want. So you have the early stage financings where you either have people that give you money in return of shares or not, just because of the fact that you're a nice guy or girl with a nice idea and they really have some faith in you or just friends and family. you have the more professional investors, such as angel investors, like you mentioned, which generally are more seasoned entrepreneurs that have already earned enough to now start investing in young companies. And most of the time also want to contribute to the development of that company so that not only do they want to give you money, but they also want to be part of the actual enterprise itself as an advisor or a board member. And they, in return, generally want some shares. But how are you going to discuss that? Um then there's something that we call loans, 
and then not the traditional ones, but because we talked about that, right? Traditional loans generally want security or collateral return. So you need to have a different type of loan. Um, the one thing with loans also is that normally the risk that the lender is taking is expressed in interest rate. The issue with startups is that still statistically, most of them fail. So within two or three years, let's, let's put a number, I don't know whether it's correct, but let's say that four out of five don't make it. If you would express that in an interest rate, that would mean that you would have a sky high interest rate and nobody would be able to, to cover. So that loan that you granted to, to a startup should not be something like that, right? Yeah. So what we see often in that phase is that we use convertible loans. So you grant a loan to a startup, there is an interest rate on it, I don't know, 5% to cover some of the risks, but... The idea behind the loan is that if the company becomes successful enough, then, and after a certain time and after a certain moment, that loan actually converts into shares. And then all of a sudden the lender has become a shareholder and then he grows together with the company and then hopefully earns as well as the founders do, because they are also the shareholders like a very, any other shareholder is, but they take an early risk and that's how they get rewarded specifically in that instrument. When you come to the point that you are almost there to put a price tag on your company, then you may need to have like a bridge between that early stage and the later stage. And you can either use as a bridge financing method, something like a convertible loan again, or what is coming up or has come over from the US uh, primarily is what you mentioned is the the safe uh, and the KISS instrument, which are interesting instruments. Basically, they are a promise to get shares. So the investor gives you money and he will expect shares in return, but not now, only at the later stage. That later stage is when you are actually having a formal equity round. So what we call a priced round, because you have put a price tag on the company. The company then raises funds by issuing shares to other investors. And at that point, the KISS save also basically converts into those shares as well. So the original investor gave you money before, it's waiting. And then at a certain point, they get the shares that they subscribe for with a little bit of discount and yeah. compensation for that as well. Yeah, they, they're taking the risk of maybe like not having a valuation at that point and in exchange for getting a discount in exactly. the actual run and getting like a better price for the shares. Yeah, except with the difference that it's not a loan, like a convertible loan. Yeah. So it's very friendly to the startup. It's a very small, easy piece of document that you can download very much from the internet. It's actually a, a standard developed by two of the larger accelerator programs that you can basically fill out, put your name under it and make one decision from a commercial point of view, which is the interest rate. Uh, that's basically it. maybe two or other elements that you can add, but keep it simple. That's the reason why it's called the KISS. Keep it simple. Then you sign the two pages and then you just wait and until the next round where it gets complicated and the other investors start asking questions, doing the research, putting uh, the negotiations on the price tag of the company, then you don't all have to do that as your uh, early investor. You just basically tag along with that investment round. Yeah. So like there's different rounds, like uh, let's focus on the like early rounds a little bit more. And early rounds, it's it's hard to keep the valuation of the company. It's kind of like hard to put it uh, like the, the numbers of the, about, on the company. Uh, but in the later stage, let's say there's three A, three B. And how is the how is the process goes on the later stage on the uh, investment process? Like, what is the main difference of like the early stages and the later stages of investment? Right. 
So the early stages obviously have the characteristic that they're they supposedly are easier because right. the company is not as well developed as they are at a later stage, right? So you can, as an investor, it's easier to understand the product and you basically just need to have faith in the idea at that point. Yeah. Often the first equity investments even happen before an actual product has been developed. There's only this MVP product. So then there, the process in itself is quite easy. You basically agree on the main terms and in startup terms, you always conclude then a term sheet, which has different names, but in uh, startup terms, it's just literally a sheet where in which you sets out the, uh, the main elements of the agreement. And then you translate that in the formal investment agreement. And in the Netherlands, if it concerns the issuance of shares, then they have to go to a notary and the notary issues or assist you on the issuance of shares in the Dutch BV. So there's the investment document and the actual deed of issuance of those shares. Then you have a new shareholder on board. So it would also be wise and practice that there will be a shareholders agreement on top of the constitutional document itself of the articles of association of the company. So that set of articles of association and shareholder combines all the regulations basically between the shareholders and the company to arrange every every relationship there. It's quite easy. It's quite relatively fast, but the amounts are significantly lower. So um, that should match. Later on, when you're talking about series investments, series investments are always equity investments. So there are always an investment where shares are issued. And the series rounds are generally described as the bigger, the start of the bigger investment. So the series A is the first one, then you go to B until whatever, Z, 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 I, I don't know, whatever you want. And there's no typical valuation or there's no typical price or whatsoever. Uh, and even the formalities or the, the characteristics differ a little bit, but generally speaking, it's uh, an investment agreement, which is more elaborate than the original one for the, for the, for the earlier stage investments. Um, and it is preceded by obviously first the term sheet. So the first discussions between the investor and the company end up in the term sheet. They set up main, uh, 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 characteristics of the investment that they think of going to make. And then they're conducting the due diligence. So the investor is going to ask for information from the company saying, look, how are your financials looking? How is the technical specs of your product looking? How are your employees? Are you insured? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if they don't find any corpse in the closet, <laughs> uh, but also they got a significant trust in uh, the team of the company, team of the startup, the product in itself, et cetera, et cetera. And it fits in their investment portfolio when we're talking about an investment fund. Then uh, they proceed to actually negotiating the investment agreement itself, and that can be quite elaborate. Um, And uh, the shareholders agreement that they will eventually sign when they make the investment. And once that all in agreement, then again, you go to notary. Funds are being paid to either the company or the notary, and then the shares are being issued. That process basically is the same for any series. Later series, the longer the investment process tends to take, that makes sense because the company is getting more and more complicated. Maybe your first series round can be very soon already. So then the company is relatively small. Maybe you only have 10 employees and maybe you only do it uh, if your business in the Netherlands and et cetera, you have one product. <laughs> and maybe by the time you do your series C or in 10 countries, you've got 100 employees, you've got 20 products, you've got over, I don't know how many contracts to review and so many jurisdictions <laughs> it gets complicated. <laughs> And that is all something that the investor wants to understand before they put money in the company. The company has also risen in value. 
So the value of the investment in itself will also increase. Hopefully for the for the uh, startup, uh, the stake that the investors are taking is getting smaller and smaller, but generally it's about 20, 30% in that series round. Yeah, so like the time span of two different investment stages from the early stages and later stages kind of much different. And the first stages, as you said, I think like it happens so fast, like in a, maybe like in a couple of weeks, but then the later stages in investment rounds takes maybe sometimes months. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's not classic M&A transaction, maybe like in, in like big companies and major companies doing like transactions, but it's still close to it. As I, I think like later it is, becomes closer to it. And there's like, a, there's terms for beginning of the deal. There's terms for during the due diligence, there's terms for after the, after the real negotiation starts. So the lifespan of the, those investment rounds, I think like too much different uh, regarding the, the payment, of course, the payment and the amount and the valuation as well. Yeah, I guess that the so there are similarities between an ordinary classic, if you want, M&A process and an investment round of a of any company, but also specifically for startups, because you always have a, something that is called a term sheet. In M&A, you generally call the letter of intent or memorandum of understanding, but it's basically the same, legally anyway. Um, and then you have due diligence. And then you're talking about the transaction documents. And then when it comes to investment or sale uh, of a company, then you're talking about transfer or issue of shares. So that, that kind of thing is the same, but the dynamics are different because if you're at a later stage, then there generally are already parties involved with the company, right? So you, obviously you have the founders that have shares in the company. Maybe you already have issued some shares to a smaller investor. Uh, at least you've probably obtained loans, uh, convertible loans or not from some other third party. And they also want to have to say something about it. They, so you have a lot of people already on board and then this new investor comes along and they say, look, I'm happy to give you so many euros, but I want 30% in return, which changes the balance within the company, right? Because you got a large shareholder and they want to have a say, maybe only up to 30%, but someone, I don't know, board seat or whatever, maybe we'll talk about it later. <laughs> But the other existing parties have two effects. One, because of the change of this balance, they have to start thinking about their own position and that towards the company, how everybody has to work together, get along, but also still be able to make the decisions to bring the company further and develop. Um, and second, because of an issuance of shares, everybody else dilutes. Yeah. So where there were two shareholders first, 50-50, and another one comes around, then those ordinary shareholdings drop because of that additional issuance. So where the other investor had 30%, then each of them loses 15, right? So it has to come from something, yeah. from a percentage point of view. So technically you may keep your shares, but overall there are more shares, so the relative stake will become. And that changes again, the balance on the whole. On the other side, your company increases in value, at least that's the idea. So if your company increases in value and you have a relatively lower stake, you still may have a stake that is increasing in value too. So from an economical point of view, it's not too bad. But think of the future, if you would sell your company in 10 years and you have been diluted continuously and you end up with 1%, 
then the company may be worth, I don't know, millions and 1% of millions is still a lot of money, but it's not the same as 90% of millions, right? So yeah. that doesn't affect. So like, uh, actually, I just want to have a like, quick additional question following that. What is the, since it's like for valuation, it's kind of risk store either for the investment investors, such as the entrepreneur as well, because the entrepreneurs always want to be a part of, like as a the founder, they always be like, they, be, they have a saying in the future of the company yes. always. So what is the, like the main risks or let's say the main uh, pinpoints that uh, entrepreneurs need to be considered during that investment process, investment round? When they, for example, when they have, especially having so many uh, people on the table, the saying or suggesting or dictating some ways of uh, in future of the company. So like what are the risks of an entrepreneur in this point? Right. There are basically two main categories that you should always think of when you're talking about financing and what it implicates. So we're talking about the economical facts and control. So let's let's bring it down to the two persons in the beginning, the two founders who had this great idea. There were just the two of them they could do whatever they want. The only thing is that they didn't have any money, so they started to talk to investors. So the first time this investor comes around and then is basically the third person in the company with a lot of money. So you, you will listen to him or her. Um, they will become part of the board. So you have to share decision-making power, but also in the future, because at that point there's nothing on value to basically pay out. You're happy that you can actually pay your own salary. But in the future, you know that you have to share... Well, basically, uh, uh, the sale value of your company with that person. So there are the three of you. Now, if you take a few steps later, then there may be already, I don't know, six shareholders. Maybe two of them also want to have a board seat. So you're with four and you have um, uh, one other shareholder that doesn't necessarily need a board seat, but still has shares. So the control and the economics start to differ a little bit. And if you then attract a new large investor that takes up 20, 30% of the shares, brings in a lot of money too. So they want to protect their investment. So although they don't necessarily want to have a board seat, they do want all kinds of uh, control rights within the meeting. Say, uh, I want to have a veto if you start issuing shares to another party. <laughs> yeah, there's a chopper going on right now, but all good just for the hospital. Or there. Yeah. Yeah. So if I grant, if, if from a founder's perspective, if I grant the new investor in return of his investment, these, these control rights, it will effectively mean that I lose control over my own company, right? It's still perceived as your company. If I issue these shares to this series investor, this venture capital holding, then they want something like, for example, liquidation preference which basically means that when the company is literally liquidated, but rather if the company is being sold, then that investor goes first in being paid a certain amount of money. And then thereafter, everybody else gets their money. Founders tend to be the one last in line, right? So even among shareholders, there's a distinction to be made between the ones in the front of the line and the back. And founders and generally all the other employees who may be also awarded shares, are always last in line. Every round, a founder has to think of the implications. So they have to do math. Basically, you have to do open up Excel and what we call a liquidation waterfall. Determine in this scenario, let's say that the company will be sold for, I don't know, 10 million. 
how much will be left for me? <laughs> and you can be surprised uh, after a few rounds where you started the company and that's apparently already valued at 10 million, you may be working for a company which by then gives you a decent salary, but you will end up with, I don't know, 100 euros. Yeah. So if you don't pay attention. So only in the scenario then that the company is turned into 80 million and then be sold, then it becomes interesting to you yeah. because then the others have already been paid. Let's, let's put it that way. So that's, that's, that's hard uh, negotiations. The later the stages, the harder these negotiations can get. From the investor point of view, there's an interest to keep the founders interested, right? So it's nice to squeeze out the founders and make sure that they don't get anything on the end of the line. But why would you work your off for the company if eventually you won't get paid, right? Yeah. It's your company. They're happy to be an investor in that company. So you should still get be rewarded for those services. A good investor understands that. So the key employees or the key managers, especially the founders, if they earn the trust of the investor, then the investor should make sure that from both a control and an economic point of view, the founders are being put in a decent position, even uh, although there is an investment and that should mean that they should dilute. Yeah. It's really good advice for entrepreneurs who are going through, I think like who, who will go through this process. I think like they need to consider so many factors in the, in the process. Yeah. Let's kind of keep an eye on those maybe key points. If, if, uh, if you're going through and with that maybe process, you can actually don't understand what's going on, but later on, it may affect your future in the company as well as an entrepreneur, which is important. Thank you for the comments and I think for everyone's listening and next episode, we will actually dig deep more in the shareholders agreement and the investment process a little bit more. There are some interesting, uh, practices in the, in this process that startups and investors always need to negotiate in the table and we will 